Welcome to episode number eight of The Spare Minute. I wanted to start this episode out a little bit of some thoughts about how I structure this show. Uh, Most episodes, I begin with a sort of seed of thought that kind of uh, maybe has been buzzing around in my head, some sort of subject I would like to discuss. And then from that point, uh, I usually just kind of let my thoughts flow freely. This podcast is created in the spare minutes of my life, hence the title. And thus, most episodes are going to be free-flowing stream of consciousness sort of thoughts off the cuff. Fairly unedited. Um, Most of the time, I will go through the process of recording an episode and then determining if I feel confident enough to publish that particular episode or if I feel that I need to record the episode over again if I feel like maybe my thoughts have been pulled together a bit more cohesively after the first recording. So sometimes that first recording is kind of a um, a free write of sorts, a first draft of my episode to help sort of get my thoughts out. And then the second time I record that episode, it's a bit more coherent and put together. So this episode, I want to talk about serendipity. And I'd like to start from a quote that I read while I was getting my hair cut the other day. And the quote says, When you value the power of serendipity, you start noticing it at work right away. Try leaving the smartphone in your pocket the next time you're in line or in a crowd. Notice one source of unexpected value on every such occasion. Develop the discipline to allow for serendipity. And this is found in the book, Manage Your Day-to-Day, Build Your Routine, Find Your Focus, and Sharpen Your Creative Mind uh, by 99U. And this particular quote, um, let me try to find the page reference for this particular quote. Um, This particular quote can be found at least by my version of uh, the Kindle app, on page 112. um, And it's in the chapter Tuning Into You by Scott Belsky. So the reason I mentioned that I read that while I was getting my hair cut, actually I wasn't reading while I was getting my hair cut. I need to make a correction there. I was waiting to get my hair cut. I I was waiting to get my hair cut. And I I read that chapter, and I thought to myself, huh, serendipity, you know, like, how often do we, and I thought to myself, you know, how often do we, and myself in particular, allow ourselves to be distracted by all sorts of things, like devices, or books, I mean, really, anything can be a distraction. Um, How often do we let things distract us from um, observing the world around us? in a broader, from a broader perspective, like, I feel like we can often be very, very, so focused on on something that we can kind of blind ourselves to the world around us. And so, 
I think that it's interesting to, to think about that. Um, so yeah, I was waiting to get my hair cut and lately I've been listening to the, um, novel, uh, Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. And if I have ever mentioned that it was written by Leo Tolstoy, please forgive me because I don't know why, but I've been mixing up those two names. And so it came to be my time to get my hair cut. And so I started talking about how I've been listening to Audible and audiobooks. And then another uh, person came in, a woman, older woman, and she overheard me talking about Les Miserables and how I accidentally mixed up the name Leo Tolstoy with Victor Hugo. And she she instantly like was like, Victor Hugo is written by Victor Hugo. And she said, I know that because I'm a French teacher. <laughs> and... And I practically facepalmed because here I am talking about gr some, you know, a great French author, right? You know, who wrote this amazing book, you know, this this classic French literature. And I'm like embarrassing myself in front of this French teacher. But in my mind, I had thought to myself, this is a moment of serendipity. This is a strange moment of, you know, I just happened to be getting my hair cut talking about this book I'm reading, and a French teacher shows up. And then we start talking about literature and reading and, and things like that. Um, but not as, you know, deep as I would have liked, I guess. It, it was fairly brief due to the nature of getting a haircut and then, you know, wanting to get home to my family and everything. But I just thought to myself, well, look at that. That's That's serendipity right in action right after I had just read about how, you know, you should put your phone down and, you know, try to hone in on serendipitous moments in your life because you find them everywhere and allow and allow serendipity to kind of be a fuel for your creativity. So that also reminds me of a YouTube video called Look Up, which has to do a lot with the same sort of idea. Um, we live in this society right now um, where we have some of the most powerful computing devices in our pockets, you know, our, our smartphones, um, just, you know, in our pockets, we can just take them out, we can use them. But what, uh, what's become the, the common joke about this though, is that everybody has their heads down looking at their phone, uh, not actually experiencing reality, um, not experiencing or not being present in the world around them. And, and the phenomenon of the smartphone is only f a fairly recent development. Um, and it's, it's only really been in the last couple of years that, um, you know, smartphones have really become a thing. Um, So it's interesting how how <clears throat> how much these devices have really shaped us. Um, just looking it up, I mean, the iPhone came out in two thousand seven. That's twelve years ago now, almost exactly twelve years ago this month. It'll be June twenty. Well, it says here on this web, it doesn't matter. It's twelve years ago. Um, and and ever since the iPhone came out, I would say that redefined what what smartphones were, and we've begun to become 
enveloped in a digital world and we're losing sight of the physical world. Now that's not necessarily bad, but 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 I think that we're infants. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, we're infants. I mean, this even in the book I'm reading, you know, this technology's fairly new. And so we're relatively we're relatively new at learning how to moderate and use this technology properly. It's a tool. That's how, you know, that's what people say. Very often it's a tool. But you have to be careful about that. <clears throat> my smartphone, yeah. My smartphone definitely is a tool. But you have to remember that software developers are out there to make money. And so when they develop a product, when they're developing an app like Facebook, they are developing this app to increase the amount of time you spend within that app because they want to make revenue off of their application. So they specifically design these applications to be addictive in their nature, which is like saying, I'm going to use this as a tool when it's not really a tool. It's, it's, it's like, how can I describe that? How, what can I connect that to? Facebook wasn't necessarily designed as a tool, okay? You can use it as a tool. You can use it as a platform. It's, it's quote-unquote social media. So, so you can make use of it in a moderated manner. But you have to be mindful of how you use Facebook. But the people who designed the application of Facebook want people to use it more and they want revenue they want eyes on their application so there may be altruistic elements to facebook and how it is designed i will not discredit it of that because i don't want to have a completely tyrannical view of facebook but at the same time um, these people want to design an application that is successful and is used frequently and downloaded frequently by people. So there are design elements implemented into this application for the sole purpose of, of getting you to use it more and to look at it more. Um, Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm trying to think of an author's name. His name is on the tip of my tongue, and I'm gonna have to look him up. But he was um, he was he spoke about sort of um, Steve Jobs's intent. His name is Cal Newport. In a video I was watching uh, recently, Cal Newport spoke about the iPhone and Steve Jobs's original intent for the iPhone. Uh, now, Steve Jobs was a, a minimalist, and um, when I say minimalist, it's, 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 it's an idea of, of living um, a meaningful life with, as, with, with the necessities in your life, you know, not living an excessive lifestyle, um, which is why when you'd watch a keynote, he always wore the same kinds of clothes. Often that's a 
uh, seemingly is a trait of minimalists. It's a minimalist wardrobe. It, it's it's very selective. It's very similar to being an essentialist, which is um, you know separating you know the vital few out of the trivial many, um, as Greg McCone says puts it. So Steve Jobs was a minimalist. So he looked at this market of of smart devices and then at the time we had blackberries and things like that that things that had physical keyboards on them and he looked at it and he just thought these are just clunky kind of ugly devices um you know i want to create something that's that's beautiful i want to create a tool um you know and he had in his mind a minimalist the minimalist idea of creating a beautiful device that people only used occasionally. He didn't want people using iPhones all the time. He he wanted to create a beautiful device that people used as a tool. Uh, he wanted to create a beautiful web browser, a beautiful phone, and a beautiful music player. And he wanted to take those three things and put them into one device, which he executed brilliantly. But at the rise of social media, we saw the rise of smartphone usage. Um, and I don't think that that's the only correlation. I think that just we, um, we've gravitated towards smart devices and using them more frequently, um, just because of the nature of them and the power of them. Um, so I guess that being said, if I were to tie that into serendipity, wow. I just realized it's kind of ironic, you know. What I was going to say is one of the things I don't like about social media is is just the things that you can randomly get exposed to that you don't want to intentionally be exposed to. And that, in its very nature, is serendipitous. <laughs> so, but I don't mean to be criticizing or being hypocritical in that regard. But it's it's a particular nature of serendipity that you're exposed to on your smart device like in a social media application that's more like based on algorithms as opposed to sort of external uh, serendipity that you can experience sort of in the real world. And I would say right now we're in this very interesting phase that I would compare to the different, I would compare the difference between digital and analog audio. Okay, so, so some people don't notice the difference between digital and analog audio, but some people who pay very close attention will notice the difference between the two. And we kind of live in an age where our smart devices in the digital world, um, literally the digital world, are kind of rubbing up against the, for lack of a better word, analog world. And analog is like not being with your smart device. It's living in the real world. It's, it's being observant of the things around you. Um, so it's two different forms of serendipity. It's kind of like analog serendipity and digital serendipity. And the digital serendipity is based on like, you know, the algorithmic codes or whatever applications you're you're flitting through or whatever. But then your external analog serendipity is of a, of a different nature, I would say. Um, perhaps more organic, perhaps more by chance than random number generation. I mean, the... Um, like the RNG of the universe is probably far more complex than like the created RNG of your smart device. 
But then again, the RNG of your smart device or the algorithms of your smart device, even though they're, they're designed and plugged into a system by a human being, the nature of the RNG or how it, how it functions or how those algorithms fire and actually, you know, sort of actuate is kind of subject to the, the greater sense of analog RNG that it exists within in the, in the universe. So it's kind of serendipity wrapped in serendipity. It's, it's a deeper digital serendipity that's nestled within the overarching organic analog serendipity that we live in already. So it's still serendipity, but it's a concentrated um, specific medium of serendipity that you're receiving. But I guess really what comes to the core of this musing that I'm putting forth right here is you could be exposed to serendipity all day long, but if you're not mindful of that serendipity, then you're not going to catch it. Um, so what's important here, the, the core of this, uh, maybe perhaps the message or the moral of this story is really not just serendipity, but mindfulness in what you do in your life. And question why, question your intent. Make it a habit to question your intent. Not so far as to paralyze you, but enough to guide your choices in your life. Um, the next time you get that little itch to pick up your phone to look at Facebook, ask yourself, and I need to do this too, ask yourself, why am, why am I doing this? You know, what, is, what is my reason for picking up my, my phone? Does it serve my well-being? And think about that. And, and if you dare to dig deeper... Be a bit more introspective and think a little bit more about well, why, what is my purpose? You know, well, what is my drive in this life? Like why, what do I want to accomplish in this life? In the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, uh, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. He has a whole chapter about this. And when you... He, he asks you to go through a thought exercise, and that thought exercise involves thinking about your funeral and thinking about what you would like people to say about you. And when you think about that, really, what you're setting in place is what people say about you is indicative of the kind of person you were and the kind of life you lived. And if you want people to, to think of you in a certain way after you die then you have to consider how to shape your life in such a way that will get you to that point. So that's a deeper level of, of mindfulness. But in order to truly experience proper serendipity and apply it to your life, you, you do also need to apply mindfulness in the action of allowing for serendipity to intersect in your life. 
So with all of that, I think perhaps that ties together my thoughts on serendipity, a bit of my exploration of the subject. Uh, and I would like to encourage you, if you wish to contact me uh, to put forth questions or, or comments about anything I've discussed, if you want me to flesh anything out or respond to it, or if you just want to let me know that you're listening, uh, you can reach me at thespareminute at gmail.com. And I would like to say that I really appreciate you listening to this episode. And I will catch you the next time that I have a spare minute to record an episode. All right. Bye.